Welcome back to the 3rd and 15 podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Timmerman. Before we get started, I want to remind you that the 3rd and 15 podcast is brought to you by Cali TV. Folks, if you're like me, you've gone to turn on your game, uh, your team's game on Saturday or Thursday, or maybe it's a baseball game on a Monday or a Tuesday, and uh, you realize that it's on one of those channels. You know the ones I'm talking about, the ones you used to get on your streaming package, but you don't get them anymore. Well, You've probably thought, oh, i got to get cable again. No, you don't. You can get Cali TV. That's C-A-L-I TV. This program has all of the channels, everything you could possibly want. It's $25 a month, no contract, no gimmick. If you're interested, hit me up on Facebook. Find me on Twitter at JTIMM684, um, and I can get you connected. So let's get going. Folks, um, I told you this weekend was a, you know, I would call this weekend a mediocre weekend in college football. There were some really, 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 really big games, some uh, big rivalry games, but overall it was not a groundbreaking weekend, I wouldn't say. Um, the biggest game for a lot of people, I'm just going to go at it right off the top, Michigan State, Michigan, number eight versus number six in the AP polls. Of course, the college football rankings are out now. I'm going to get to that later, uh, but Michigan State comes out on top 37-33 with a massive game from Kenneth Walker III. He had 23 carries. He had 197 yards and five touchdowns. Folks, these are the separators for the Heisman. These are the games that are the difference between guys who can win a Heisman and guys who you thought could win a Heisman and don't. These big marquee games, uh, I, I hearken back to, I believe it was 2015, um, Leonard Fournette for... Um, <clears throat> For LSU against, uh, I think um, Derrick Henry ended up winning the, the Heisman that year. And they came into a game against LSU. Both of those guys were um, kind of in the hunt for the Heisman. And when they played LSU and Alabama, I'm stalling. I'm trying to get to that game. I had it up earlier, folks. I had some technical difficulties. I don't have it up anymore. Um, yeah, when, when those two teams played, you ready for this? They were number two versus number four. Massive SEC game. Of course, Alabama ended up winning the national title that year. Derrick Henry ended up winning the Heisman. Um, Alabama comes out on top 30-16. to 16. In that game, Derrick Henry went 38 carries, 210 yards, three touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, 19 carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown. And that was the point where the Heisman shifted away from being Leonard Fournette was kind of the the force to be reckoned with at that point. He had been running away with the Heisman, but in the, when the lights were the brightest, when everybody was watching, when his team needed him, I'm not blaming Leonard Fournette. I'm not saying he's the reason they lost. There were a lot of factors in that game. Alabama was the better team. Alabama won the national championship. LSU was, you know, just a very good SEC team that year. But... And they might not even been that. I need to actually look. I it, my memory is hazy. Uh, it's been several years, and I was not a um, you know. It's not like I'm an LSU aficionado. Um, I can tell you what Clemson did that year. Um, yeah, LSU was a nine and three team. They finished number sixteen in the country. That's a good year. Uh, but Alabama was better. Alabama was the best team in the country. They won the national title that year, and. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, that's it's not on Leonard Fournette, but 
Those are the games, those spotlight marquee games, when you get them, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, when we talked about the Heisman hopefuls, when you have a game like that where everybody's watching and everybody wants to see what's your team going to do, when you have this game, 23 carries, 197 yards, five touchdowns, that's how you go from a guy that's in the conversation for a Heisman to the guy in the Heisman conversation. And that's what I think Kenneth Walker did this weekend. Of course, there's time left in the season. Michigan State has some other games. Uh, they've got Purdue on Saturday. I'm going to talk about that a little later. They've got Maryland. They've got the big, big, big game with Ohio State at Ohio State on November 20th. And then they got Penn State to close out the regular season. And then they have somebody from the West. That conversation obviously took a turn this weekend, I think. Because um, I believe Iowa lost again. Uh, let's let's peek on down the – or maybe Iowa was off. Either way. Yeah, Iowa lost again this weekend. Uh, that's actually the next game we're going to talk about. Iowa lost 27-7 to to Wisconsin. So, Michigan State, Ohio State, winner of that game in a couple weeks, will, pro- will be probably representing the Big Ten East in the Big Ten championship game, and then of course we'll be in the still in the mix for a national championship trip for a playoff trip. So Kenneth Walker will have more chances to earn the Heisman. He'll get a showdown with another Heisman candidate and C.J. Stroud for Ohio State in that game. But these are the games where you can put your mark on the Heisman race. It's not just about stats because if you go back and look at that 2015 race, but uh, that wasn't between Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. The yardage difference and the touchdown differences and all that, they were in Henry's favor, but it was not enough that Henry should have been first and Leonard Fournette should have been sixth. And in fact, there were people in between there that you could argue Leonard Fournette had a better year or at least had a comparable year in a tougher defensive conference. He faced tougher defenses than some of these other candidates, like Christian McCaffrey. I believe was in that Heisman race with him. But the point is really that what separated Derrick Henry from Leonard Fournette is that when when his team needed him to be a freak, he was a freak, and that's that, that was the difference. And Kenneth Walker III did that on Saturday in leading Michigan State to the 37-33 win over rival Michigan. Cincinnati gets the 31-12 win over Tulane. Not as sexy as you would have liked if you are Cincinnati in that game, but still almost a 20-point win. Um, over a conference opponent that has given some some <clears throat> big-time teams a little bit of trouble this year. Uh, Baylor does what handles business, beats Texas 31-24. Miami knocks off Pitt. This is just classic ACC, and I'm not, not, I'm not picking on the ACC. I'm, I'm an ACC fan, but this is classic ACC. Um, Pittsburgh has a chance to kind of um, be the team that can keep the ACC relevant and they lose to Miami, a not great Miami team at home. So all of the good vibes they got from beating Clemson, they cough right back up in losing to Miami. Kenny Pickett did have a good game, um, had a, had a pretty, pretty outstanding game, actually. 39-55 for 519 yards, three touchdowns, but two interceptions. Um, and, and ran nine times for negative 10 yards in that one. Um Tyler Van Dyke for Miami goes 32 of 42 for 426 yards, three touchdowns, only one pick. Um, did not run very well at all. Just mainly taking sacks, four 
four carries, quote-unquote, for negative 19 yards. But Miami gets the win and stays in the picture. Um, in fact, let's go look at the ACC right now since I mentioned that. Wake is in the driver's seat in the uh, Atlantic. They're still undefeated, 8-0, 5-0. Obviously, the 5-0 is the more important part in terms of standings. Pitt is is in the driver's seat because they are 3-1, and one, but Miami is 2-2, two and two and they have the win over Pitt. So, uh, that the Coastal is doing Coastal things. Uh, five of the seven teams in the in the division are still in the hunt, if you count North Carolina at 3-3. Three and three. Definitely four of seven are still in the mix. Uh, Pitt at three and one, Virginia at four and two, um, Virginia Tech at two and two, and Miami at two and two. Um, so just that division continues to be bonkers. It always is. So we we have come to expect that. More scores from this past weekend of note. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, West Virginia knocks off Iowa State to kind of thin out that Big 12 race a little bit. Georgia just shellacks Florida 34 to seven. Um, there was a stretch there. It was right before the the first half. It was scoreless in the first quarter. And down to 2.16 to go in the first half, it was 3-0 Georgia. Florida looks like they maybe have a chance to go into the locker room um, with a little momentum and just feeling good. And then in that last two minutes and 16 seconds of the, first, of the second quarter, Georgia gets a touchdown run from James Cook, a... Um, I believe was was the I think the touchdown run was off of a fumble, and then Karis Jackson with a 36-yard touchdown pass from Stetson Bennett, and then Nicobe Dean with a 50-yard interception return for touchdown, 24-0 at the half. I mean, it went from a one-score competitive game to a blowout in a matter of moments, and that's just kind of what a team like Georgia with that swarming defense can do to you because you can't score like you want to. So when they start scoring, you're screwed, and that's what happened. Um, Emory Jones does get the two-yard run later in the game to um, not get shut out, but it was still a 34-7 win for the Dogs, and that's about what a lot of us expected. Georgia continues to be the best team in the country. Oklahoma knocks off Texas Tech 52-21. Uh, Oregon keeps doing what they're supposed to do. Wake Forest with the 45-7 win over Duke. Auburn with the big win over Ole Miss to stay in the hunt. I, obviously, I don't think I, Auburn is a national title contender, but they stayed in the hunt to be the team that can knock off Alabama. They're firmly in the seat where if Auburn can keep winning and if Auburn can knock off Alabama, they can represent the Big Ten, or the, excuse me, Big Ten, whoa, the SEC West and face Georgia, get a rematch against Georgia. I don't know that they want a rematch against Georgia, but at three and one right now, they the winner of if both of them keep winning, and so far we've seen no reason to think that they necessarily won't. Um, the Iron Bowl will be a an SEC semifinal essentially. The winner of that game, as it has been several times in the last decade or so, the winner of that game will go on to play Georgia for the SEC title. <clears throat> in Alabama's case, a trip to the playoffs. Um, so let's see if there's any more scores we want to talk about. In that game, Bo Nix was was Bo Nix. I mean, he did, he did what he's capable of doing. He had 22 of 30, 276 yards, and a touchdown. Tank's, Tank Bigsby also added 23 carries, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Bo Nix also ran eight times for 30 yards and two more scores. So just a very Bo Nixian game. Over 300 total yards, three total scores, and I believe no turnovers. He did lose a – he did – Fumble the ball, but he didn't lose it. Um, Ole Miss, I, f- I feel like this is the game that, that we talked about Kenneth Walker the third putting his stamp on the Heisman. I think this is a 
the final nail in the coffin for Matt Corral's Heisman hopes. His overall stats are going to be very good this year, but, you know, he only ran 10 times for 45 yards and a touchdown, only 21 to 37 for 289 yards, but isn't that isn't bad, but he had no touchdowns and a pick. That's not the kind of game you can have in this kind of pecking order game. This isn't necessarily, I mean, for Ole Miss, obviously they've got the loss to Alabama, so they would have had work to do to have any hopes of of winning the SEC, but we talked about last week they were a team that if things break their way, they could be sitting at that number five spot. If they just kept winning, they could be sitting in that number five spot, waiting on somebody to slip up, and they could steal that, that fourth playoff spot. That's gone now. So, you know, and, and it's gone because Matt Corral had a subpar day. To me, that, that knocks Matt Corral out of my Heisman race. Maybe he could be a guy, you know, if you don't know how the Heisman works. And I'm actually going to get into this in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Um, if the rankings kind of die down a little bit and, and have a week where they're kind of chalky, I'm going to get into the Heisman race. Uh, but, you know, when you vote for a Heisman, every every voter votes for their top three. And that's how they get points. And, and I actually read some interesting stuff about why different people get invited and so on and so forth. But comes down to it, Matt Corral is in a position where maybe he finishes strong and he could get a third place vote from me. But I do not see him being somebody who I give a first place vote to because when they've needed him against Alabama and Auburn, he has been not a superhero. And, and that's what he needed to be this year. Um, Mississippi State gets the embarrassing win over Kentucky, 31-17, to to kind of erase Kentucky's hopes of doing anything super special. I mean, they're still um, they're still 6-2, which, I mean, if they can finish 10-2 as an SEC team, that's more than more than respectable for, for what Kentucky has been in the past. And, and I think that's reachable. They have Tennessee, Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, and Louisville to close out the season. So those are four winnable games. Even nine and three, even if they drop that game to Louisville or drop that game to Tennessee, nine and three is a big season for Kentucky, but it's just a far cry from a team that had, at least in their mind, hopes of knocking off Georgia and winning the SEC East this year. Um, Oklahoma State keeps rolling 55-3 to over Kansas. That game, that Bedlam game against Oklahoma, continues to be super interesting. Oklahoma State obviously um, kind of messed themselves up a little bit with that loss that they took to Iowa State, but a three-point loss to Iowa State, if they can knock off Oklahoma and then for some reason knock off, they have to knock off Oklahoma twice, if they can do that, I think Oklahoma State's in a position to steal a playoff spot, but they have to keep rolling and winning 55-3 to over a Kansas team that Oklahoma struggled with, that's a, that's a good start. Houston uh, gets that big win over SMU. We talked about that a little bit. Ohio State survives against Penn State. It was this one was close. This one was thirty to twenty four late, and Ohio State tacked on a field goal with uh, two forty one to go to kind of put that out of reach and get the nine point win over Penn State. Penn State's tricky. I wouldn't want to play them right now <clears throat> because their record says they're mediocre. They're five and three. But if you've watched them play against teams like Auburn and Wisconsin and some of these other teams in Iowa, if you've watched them play in these games, you know this is a tough team when they're healthy. And I just wouldn't want to mess with them. Notre Dame gets the 44-34 win over North Carolina. And that's really the last game that I really I cared too much about. Um, so that's the rundown of last week. I'm gonna go ahead and give you a run uh, give you a quick look ahead of this week. There's not a lot. There are a lot of ranked teams against conference opponents that aren't super great. That's that's just kind of the theme of the week.
You know, for instance, Georgia plays Missouri. That's the noon game on ESPN. If you're a Georgia fan, you're watching that. If you're not a Georgia fan, you're just kind of waiting on a better game. And there's really not one coming. Um, 3.30, Michigan State-Purdue on ABC. Purdue, as we know, is the team that tripped up. Who did they trip up? Iowa, 24-7. Of course, Iowa also lost to um, Wisconsin on Saturday. So, Iowa's falling completely off the wagon, in my opinion. But Purdue is tricky. This is at Purdue. Michigan State needs Kenneth Walker to just be that steadying force. Um, It's not popular in modern football, and I am certainly not somebody who normally advocates, hey, just run the ball. That's not me. I love a passing game. But the run game, if you have a strong run game, if you have a bell cow like Kenneth Walker III, that is slump-proof, sort of. That is the kind of thing that your passing game can get out of sync, your... Um, you know, the routes aren't crisp, the wind is not right, the conditions aren't right, the quarterback, um, his, his mechanics get off or whatever, the passing or the pass protection is, maybe it's not bad one day, but, but the rush is getting a little deeper than it normally does and, and it just throws everything off, throws the timing off. With the run game, if your offensive linemen are good and your running back is good, you can run the ball. And... That seems to me like Michigan State, while it's not sexy and while it's not going to earn them brownie points, I feel like they, they have a recipe to be able to avoid the um, the letdown games against teams like Purdue. So maybe they win at 24-21 and that doesn't help their style points, but they don't lose it because they threw three interceptions. So um, now because I've said that, they're going to go out and lose they're going to throw three interceptions on Saturday, aren't they? That's what's going to happen. But sorry about that. Uh, Cincinnati's just got to keep rolling. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Cincinnati's got to beat the bejesus out of Tulsa. That's at 3.30 on ESPN2. The 3.30 CBS game, Auburn-Texas A&M, that's number 13 and number 14 in the playoff rankings. Uh, this is just a good old-fashioned seeding game. This is a game, uh, I'm not going to do this every week for you know a big list like I did last time, but obviously this is a game that if we had a 12-team bracket, you'd be looking at teams, one, that are fighting, Auburn's still fighting. I don't think Auburn can get in the playoffs at 6-2 and two in the 14 playoff, even if they beat Alabama, even if they beat Georgia. I don't think they can get in the playoffs. But if... This was a 12-team bracket with an auto bid for conference championship. Auburn winning this game and still having a chance. And Texas A&M, too, because they have that win over Alabama. The winner of this game would still have a chance to win the division. And if you got a chance to win the division, you got a chance to win the conference. And if you win the SEC, you are for dang sure going to be one of the top six ranked conference champions in the country. On top of that, even if none of that works out, winning this game keeps you in the mix to be one of the first six at-larges. So, because the winner of this game is going to jump up to 10 or 12, some 10, 11, something like that. So, this is what would be a, this is a fun game. This is the kind of game that should matter more, that really doesn't right now, because we assume Alabama is going to win out in the SEC and go place Georgia for the SEC championship and probably go to the playoffs. But, this game right here would matter a lot more. This would be a game that everybody in the country is watching because the rest of the schedule isn't that sexy. There's lots of, hey, here's a 6-2 and two team playing a 3-5 and five team. This would be a marquee feature game with playoff implications. Winners still in. Losers probably out. This would be massive with an expanded playoff. 
So just keep that in mind. Um, other than that, I don't see a whole ton. Oregon's facing Washington at 7.30. Oregon just needs to win. Other than that, uh, Alabama faces LSU. I mean, I, obviously a lot of us would love to see LSU beat Alabama, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, But that game is at 7 on ESPN. So I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to get into, if you know me, or if you care about what I have to say about college football, either if either of those things are true, which if neither of those things are true, I don't know why you're listening, but I'm glad you are. But if one or both of those things are true, you wanted to hear what I had to say about these playoff rankings, and I'm going to give that to you after a quick break. So the playoff rankings came out. I'm recording on Wednesday. They came out on Tuesday. And frankly, they are garbage. I'm going to run through them real quick. Um, I may run through the whole thing. I may not. Uh, Georgia at one, followed by Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State rounds out the top five. Cincinnati at six, Michigan. Oklahoma, Wake, Notre Dame rounds out the top ten. Then you have Oklahoma State, Baylor. We talked about Auburn and Texas A&M at 13 and 14. BYU fresh off of a impressive win over Virginia at 15. Ole Miss, 16. Mississippi State at 17. If you can't hear the disdain, it is there. Kentucky at 18. NC State at 19. Minnesota at 20. For some reason, Wisconsin at 21. Iowa at 22. Fresno State at 23. San Diego State at 24. And Pitt at 25. Now, for the purposes of this segment here, I'm going to focus on the top eight. Uh, That's... Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon are your top four, followed right behind by Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, and Oklahoma. Those are the eight teams that I think have a chance to make the playoffs. Can uh, Wake Forest at nine get in the playoffs? I do think they can. I think that's right there. Uh, There are some not ridiculous results that could make that happen. Um, For instance, uh, Oklahoma State knocks off Oklahoma at Bedlam. And then Oklahoma knocks off Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. That's the kind of thing that could um, upset the Big 12 apple cart and knock them out of the picture. Let's say Cincinnati loses to somebody down the stretch and Oregon loses. That might be enough to get uh, Wake Forest in the playoffs. But that's a lot of ifs. So in Notre Dame, they're never completely out of it, but they are 7-1, and one, and their loss is to Cincinnati. And as we can see, the committee has no love for Cincinnati. So uh, I don't think Notre Dame can get in, but we can certainly never say never to that. But for now, let's stick to these top eight. So um, I, the simplest way to look at these teams, if you unless you're going to get into actually waiting every game and things like that, which I think is a little bit unfair and a little bit subjective, um, subjectivity is really the problem with my problem with the four-team playoff to begin with because the picking the four best teams is a fool's errand. You have eight teams with very few. You have well, excuse me. You have like 130 teams with very little crossover in their scheduling, and you really don't know who's better. You can kind of connect the dots, but it's just not there. Um. So. The best way for me to kind of compare these teams is look at their loss and look at their best win. Look at what's their marquee wins. Because none of these teams have like a really stellar resume. It's not their fault, but there's just a lot of balance in college football. There's a lot of parity in college football this year. 
Nobody has that schedule that like Texas A&M had, gosh, there was one year a couple years ago where they played LSU, they played the normal SEC West, which was tough. They had a crossover against Georgia maybe, and then they also played Clemson that year. I mean, it was just a brutal schedule. Auburn's done that a couple of times where they played Clemson non-conference. They always play Georgia, and then they play the rest of the SEC West gauntlet. You know, there are some years like that where you have these just ungodly tough schedule these ungodly tough schedules at least to this point you don't have any of that because the big 10 does that's a very that big 10 uh, east is very tough but a lot of them haven't played each other yet we're just getting into that portion of the schedule so all that to say the best way for me to look at it is look at their best win and then their loss if they have one now georgia's best win is over number 13 auburn that's not great but this is one where i'm going to look at the eye test because Georgia has played some very good teams, Auburn being one of them. Arkansas, I think, is a good team and have absolutely dismantled them. I think Kentucky's a good team. Kentucky is number 18 on the um, on the rankings here, and Georgia dismantled them. Um, so while Georgia's number th- win over number 13 isn't the best win that we're going to see on here, one, they're undefeated, and two, they have looked the most dominant in wins over some really good teams. So I'm going to give them that number one spot. I have no problem with that. Alabama has the loss to number 16 Ole Miss. That is the worst loss of any of these top eight teams. Because in the top eight, you have UGA's undefeated, or Michigan State's undefeated, Cincinnati's undefeated, and Oklahoma's undefeated. So none of them have losses. And... uh, You've got four teams with losses. Alabama's losses to number... 14 Texas A&M. Um, Oregon's loss is to, excuse me, it's the second worst loss. Oregon has the worst loss. Their loss is to Stanford. Like, I just wrote that down earlier that that's their loss, but I'm, yeah, that's their loss is to Stanford. They had that loss to Stanford. That's the worst loss on the board, but um, Alabama's right behind them with that loss to number 14 Texas A&M. And then Ohio State's got the loss to number four Oregon. Um, so I'm just using the committee's rankings here because I, I feel like that's the most logical thing to do. I could make up my own rankings and I could say that, well, you shouldn't rank them here because I have this team ranked there. Well, that's not their ranking, so that doesn't matter. I'm using their own rankings, um, which will come up more later. Ohio State's losses to Oregon, so that's actually the best loss. Well, Michigan has the best loss because they lost number three in Michigan State. Um but Ohio State's best win so far is over number 20, Minnesota. Now, what hurts them for me is that not only is Minnesota one of the worst of the best wins at number 20, but Ohio State also had a lot of trouble with them. It was a 45-31 game. If you remember correctly, I picked Minnesota to maybe win that game. I don't remember if I picked a win, but I told you that was going to be close, and it was. Um... In fact, it was 38-31 in the, you know, 5-31 to go in the game. And if Mohamed Ibrahim had not gotten hurt, remember he had 30 carries, 163 yards, and two touchdowns and did not play the fourth quarter. He got hurt at the very start of the fourth quarter. So their most impressive win is one that I kind of feel like if number 20 Minnesota had their full strength all four quarters, we wouldn't even be talking about Ohio State because they'd have two losses already. Um, so I'm, I'm tricky on how to count that win 
But their loss is one of the better losses. They lost to Oregon and they lost close. And then Michigan, we already talked about them. They have their... Uh, so, so let's keep moving. Cincinnati doesn't have a loss. Their best win is over number 10, Notre Dame. Again, in the committee's own rankings. Do I think Notre Dame is the number 10 team in the country? I'm not sold on that. If Oklahoma State and Notre Dame played Saturday on a neutral field, I think Oklahoma State would win. I think Baylor would probably win. I think Auburn or Texas A&M might win, maybe. Um, Texas A&M, that would be a close game with Notre Dame. But the committee has them at 10. So Cincinnati winning over Notre Dame is, let's see, would that be the, the third best win on this on this list behind Oregon's win over Ohio State and Michigan State's win over Michigan. Cincinnati's best win, and they don't have a loss. Um, and then Oklahoma, uh, Michigan's best win, I had this written down, Michigan's best win is over Wisconsin, because for some reason Wisconsin is number 22 in this. And then or number twenty one, and then their their best win, their their best their their loss is is the best of the losses, um, and that has them at <clears throat> with number three over or, or losing to number three Michigan State. So for me, if I'm sorting out these eight teams, I got Georgia first, and and I'm cheating and using the eye test there, but they have a good best win in number thirteen. It's not the best, but it's a good win. Um, and, and a part of the reason some of these teams aren't still in the mix is because Georgia demolished them and um, kind of took them out of the consideration. You know, the, when you lose 37 to nothing like Arkansas did. Now, Arkansas took other losses too, but when you lose 37 to nothing, you, you, the bloom is off the rose a little bit. Um, so I got them at number one. Number two for me is Michigan State. They have one of the best two wins on the board. They don't have a loss. So I've got them at number two. Number three for me is Cincinnati because they're undefeated, and of the four undefeated teams, they have the second best win behind only Michigan State. They also beat Indiana. And folks, if Georgia or Alabama had gone to Notre Dame and beaten Notre Dame, we would be talking about how huge of a win that is, and the committee wants to talk about that win like it doesn't mean anything. The committee wants to talk about that um, somehow Alabama losing to number 14 Texas A&M and Cincinnati beating number 10 Notre Dame in their rankings doesn't mean that Notre Dame should be above Alabama, or excuse me, that Cincinnati should be above Alabama, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. So for me, Cincinnati's my number three. I would have them behind Georgia and Michigan State. This is where it gets a little tricky for me. Uh, Oregon has the worst loss of those eight teams, but they also have one of the best wins in beating Ohio State. So I would have Oregon four. I would probably have Alabama five. Um, reason being, if I'm using their rankings, they they do have a win over number 16 Ole Miss, and I feel good about that. They also went over number 17, Mississippi State. And this is where the ranking is just really garbage because Mississippi State is unranked in either of the other polls. Completely unranked. And they're not even right on the edge. 
Um, in the, let's see, in the AP poll, you have one, two, three. They would be 29th in the AP poll. In the coaches poll, they would be 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32nd in the coaches poll. But somehow the committee decided they're number 17. Folks, I, I looked at Mississippi State's um, schedule and what they've done, I can't figure out how they're number 17. They did beat Kentucky, but I think that's just kind of confirmation that Kentucky was okay. Because if you, if you follow the chain of logic here, Kentucky doesn't have any great wins. They're not a team that I don't think you can just say that Kentucky is an impressive win because they were number 12 when it's starting to unravel. And we talked about this a little bit before the season is the preseason rankings would be great if these folks would be willing to relook at things. But Kentucky got to number 12 because of some teams that they beat that we know now aren't very good. Florida's not good. LSU's not good. Those are teams that Kentucky beat that aren't good that got them to number 12, and now Mississippi State, in the eyes of the committee, is benefiting from that. Um, and as a result, Alabama, from having beaten Mississippi State 49-9, is benefiting from that. But nobody else in the country other than that committee thinks that Mississippi State is the number 17 team in the country. But anyway, I digress. Um, Mississippi State has done nothing. They have wins over Texas A&M, which is fine, I guess. They have wins over Louisiana Tech, NC State, which is a good win. Um, they lost to Memphis. They lost to, excuse me, they didn't even beat LSU. They lost to LSU. They beat Texas A&M. They lost to Alabama. They beat Vanderbilt. They beat Kentucky. Now, my problem, another problem I have here is Mississippi State has Arkansas, Auburn, Tennessee State, and Ole Miss to close out the season. I think Mississippi State is at best a 7-5 and five team after that. They could be as low as a 6-6 six and six team. They could lose three of those last four. When they lose three of the last four, or, or is the committee going to go back and reevaluate and say, hey, uh, maybe Alabama shouldn't get so much credit for beating them. They weren't actually the number 17 team. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to continue to let Alabama have credit for beating a team that they had 17th that should have never been 17th. Um, so I would have Alabama 5th. So I would have Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, uh, then I would have Oregon, then I would have Alabama, then I would have Iowa State, or Ohio State, excuse me, then I would have Oklahoma, then I would have Michigan 8th. Most of that isn't too much of a divergence from what the committee has, but it the divergence is important because what they have basically said with this ranking is that it does not matter what you do. It does not matter that Cincinnati beat Indiana. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Indiana's not that great. Why does it matter that they beat Cincinnati? Well, Cincinnati beat Indiana 38-24. to That's 14 points. Indiana played Ohio State. Ohio State beat the bejesus out of Indiana. It was 54-7. to Michigan State only beat them 20-15. to So that tells me that, you know, beating them by 14 is a pretty good little win. Um, but that doesn't matter to the committee. It doesn't matter that they went and beat Notre Dame in uh, South Bend and that Notre Dame's the number 10. They have basically said, and what I wish they would say, and I'm not the first person to say this this week, but I'm going to say it here. If they're not going to give teams like Cincinnati any credit, if they're going to make UCF go undefeated for two years and still not get a sniff at the playoffs, then just don't rank them. Just be upfront. Just say we're only ranking Power 5 teams. We're not ranking Group of 5 teams. So that those Group of 5 teams can decide to do something else. So that they can officially meet and just go do something else. 
Because this is absurd. Cincinnati has won every game. Uh, beating Notre Dame in South Bend was a part of what vaulted Georgia into the playoff mix despite losing a taking a bad loss to Auburn in 2017, winning at South Bend against a not a playoff caliber Notre Dame team. Very similar to this one. That's part of what vaulted Georgia into the national championship picture. That's part of what got them all the way to number one before they lost to that Auburn game, right? They were number one before that. Let's double check that. Or am I just making that up? But regardless, um, even if they didn't get number one, they got in the playoffs and one of the one of the strength, part of the strength of what they did no, they, they didn't get up number one. They did get up number No, they were number one in the playoff rankings in, in week nine and ten before they lost to Auburn. So, yeah, that went over. When Georgia did it, it really mattered going to South Bend and winning that game. But Cincinnati does it. Ah, I don't know. You guys just don't have the resume, see? You don't have the resume. It's crap is what it is. Um, and the committee, I have long said that when we do go to an expanded playoff, we should keep the committee and let them do the rankings. I don't think we should. Let's go back and go to the BCS. Let's go back and let the BCS computer rank these teams and use their rankings to set a playoff based on those modified auto bids and at-larges. Because this committee, they, it's blatant to me that what they've done is they wanted Alabama in the bracket, and some of it is not, the, it, some of it may be something that sorts itself out. Maybe their plan is Cincinnati wins out. But see, the other thing that bothers me, if you look at the other rankings, all right, let's just look at the AP poll. There's six group of five teams ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll behind Cincinnati, including Houston and uh, SMU that play in the American Athletic Conference with Cincinnati. What does the committee do? They don't rank Houston or SMU. They only have two group of five schools, Fresno and San Diego State, behind uh, Cincinnati. So they've gone out of their way to make sure not only that Alabama gets more teams in the ranking that they've played and that they've beaten, but they're taking out two teams from the other rankings because those teams, Houston and um, yeah, Houston and SMU are ranked in the in the coaches poll as well. So in both of the other polls, those teams are ranked. Those teams are there so that when Cincinnati beats them, they would get that credit. But the coaches poll has gone but the committee, excuse me, has gone out of their way to take those two teams out of their rankings so that it continues to perpetuate their own narrative that Cincinnati doesn't play a good enough resume when by every other poll Cincinnati's going to beat just as many ranked teams as Alabama will. So, it's garbage. I hope that what ends up happening, because we've seen it in the past, the very first committee rankings, three of the top four teams were in the SEC West. I think it was Mississippi State 1, Alabama 2, and Auburn 4, maybe. I think it was those three teams, but they were in a, some order. It might have been LSU. Anyway, there were three teams in the top four from the SEC West, uh, or from the SEC. And it sorts itself out, because what the committee does is they do a true, if the season they do a true right now ranking, whereas what you and I would do is we would do a if the season ended today ranking. That might sound like the same thing, but they just look at a screenshot. So like if, for me, I'm looking at if the season ended today and Georgia's SEC champion, Michigan State's the Big Ten champion, yada, yada, yada. They don't do that. 
They just say if the season stopped right now when we made the rankings, if the, this is who we would have. That allows them to create some drama. That's what they've done here. You and I assume that Georgia and Alabama would play for the SEC championship. Georgia would win. That would knock Alabama out, yada, 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 whatever. Or Georgia's just the SEC champion and Alabama's not. And Cincinnati's the AAC champion. Uh, Michigan State's the Big Ten champion. They don't do that. So it creates some drama. But it also means that it's going to sort themselves out, sort itself out. We hope, we hope that if Georgia and Alabama play and Alabama loses, they would get knocked out and somebody like Cincinnati would get in. But we don't know that. We would hope that when Michigan State beats Ohio State or Ohio State beats Michigan State, that would allow Cincinnati to come into the mix. But we don't know that. And where this creates problems is that now Cincinnati is coming into every game thinking, well, we've got to do more. We can't just beat Tulsa. We've got to beat Tulsa badly. And maybe now they make mistakes that they wouldn't make if they were just ranked where they ought to be ranked, where they deserve to be ranked. So I've got a big problem with this committee rankings. Hopefully they get fixed. Hopefully Alabama just loses like three games before the end of the year so that um, Cincinnati can get where they need to be and we can get the playoff bracket we we should have. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. So that's what I had to say. I promised some of you that I would have thoughts about the, the playoff rankings. So again, my top eight would be Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Oregon, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan. That's what I would have. And um, I think that's the better ranking based on what's actually happened on the field and not based on who the committee wants to see in the playoffs. So that's what I've got for today. Hope you guys have a great weekend watching college football and doing other things. And uh, just have a good weekend. See you next week. (laughs) 